Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, otherwise known as The Lip. Um, today's episode was great. Um, this is with a guy called Mike Minette um, from a company called Portable, which is a insure tech focused on the gig economy sector. Um, Mike is one of these great people that um, we connected on LinkedIn. Um, as you put it, we stalked each other and um, we'd not spoken before. So it's the first time we'd ever spoken and we, we hit it off and it was a really, really good conversation um, Mike's a fascinating guy, serial entrepreneur. You know, he's actually built a business in the insurance um, economy, sold it to a bigger business, and, and been through that journey. Um, and as a glutton for punishment, he's doing it all again. So, certainly someone we should listen to um, who's actually been through that full cycle. So, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, um, insure tech, insure startups, then this is definitely one for you. So, um, without further ado, this is the lip with Mike Minette. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, The Lip. Um, I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Mike Minnett. Um, Mike and I connected on LinkedIn. Um, as, as you just put it, we, uh, we've stalked each other for a little while now, and, um, and I thought it was time we engaged. Um, he runs a business called Portable, um, which is set in the gig economy. So it's the, it's the second business, actually, that we talked to about the gig economy. So, um, but very different angle on it. So I'd be really interested to get into that. But um, he's also had a fascinating career, um, serial entrepreneur um, and self-proclaimed uh, ideas guy. So we want to know what that sounds like. So, <laughs> so Mike, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> my, my team usually saying that he's also the no ideas guy but that's okay you can judge <laughs> I have a confession to make that um, I actually put a rant on LinkedIn about people calling themselves things like Chief Ideas Guy and Chief Happiness Officer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was mainly directed at people that had it but were employed. And I, and I was like, that's great until you want to find a new job. And then everyone's like, so what does a Chief Happiness Officer do? Um, yeah. So what does the Chief Ideas do? <laughs> probably the most grumpiest person in the office as well, the irony. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, Alex. Yeah, happy to be here. So, thanks for uh, for getting us on. Um, and it's interesting, just that that opening line there, the gig economy. I mm. think it's probably a good place to start because yeah. it's such a broad spectrum. Um, there's a lot of badges that get applied to it, but to put it into some sort of context, and it's probably what attracted us there in the first place. Um, you'll see these headline stats now, and there's more. It's actually bigger now and accelerated because of COVID, but sort of 50% of the world's workforce were to be working independently in some shape or form. And a chunk of that is sort of the new gig economy as we know it. Uh, and that's gig, pure gig, Uber, Deliveroo, millennials, you know, some of these companies, five, six years old, that term gig work, um, only a few years old. And that's sort of down that end of the spectrum, but there's a whole other end of the spectrum which is around um, those people who've retired early, can't afford their 30 year retirement, are coming back into the workforce, mm. you know, picking up gigs uh, or part-time or contract or, con you know, contingent. And the other side of the fence, there's a whole world there. They can afford their 30 year retirement, but with longevity now, you know, retiring 55, 60, 65, they've still got 10, 20 years of value to be generating positive so they are piling back into the workforce mm. picking up gigs but you know back in my day 
those gigs, contracts, assignments, you know, uh, projects. So that sort of that end of the spectrum, that end of the spectrum, everything in between, freelancers, self-employed, contingent workers, liquid, flexible, probably a bit of remote now. Uh, that's what makes up this gig economy in its broader sense. Mm. Um, mm. I think that's important to frame that because um, when I hear gig economy, um, I know that people generally, they're thinking Uber, Deliveroo, and actually not including, you know, very high earning professionals that have a portfolio of companies, whether they be, you know, portfolio CFOs or project managers or program managers, and, yeah. and they fit within that because uh, you know, they still don't have those protections of an employed um, individual, right? Which is okay. I mean, there's still a whole group out there where when you talk about we're involved in the freelance economy or the gig economy, they think uh, gigs, that's what musicians used to perform, right? Mm -hmm. So musicians or freelancers, that's, yeah, that's artists, right? And, you know, well, it's, yes, all of the above, but those badges that sit across the top of that and portfolio lifestyle, you know, is, is very much part of a lot of the thinking that goes into what is the gig economy, just gigs, you know, small pieces of, discrete work uh, often through more than one organization at a time. So you'll have guys who are sort of driving Uber at the day and Deliveroo on the weekend, sort of, you know, bringing together a number of gigs, which collectively makes up their, their work. Mm -hmm. So talk, talk to me about portable, um, just give everyone at home, like the, the sort of, I suppose the elevator pitch, what, what is it? What, what's, what's the objective? And um... Oh, the elevator pitch. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to, no pressure. You can take as much no, time. No, 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 no. It's like we've, we're deep into our first fundraise. So, you know, the pitch, the pitch, the pitch. Yeah. Um, and you keep sort of shifting and, and, and flowing. But fundamentally, um, you know, Portable is about providing a safety net and a structure to all these people who are now working, you know, independently as part of these new economies. Um, because when they've been full-time employees, they've been well looked after. Um, safety net structures, something happens to them, their family, they're taken care of, employee benefits. You know, you lose your laptop, it gets replaced in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Lots. The day they go out on their own or start out on their own, they've got absolutely nothing. So all we're looking to do is replicate that old model in the new world. Um, instead of being an employee of Portable, you'll be a member of Portable. And we're looking to take care of you just like you're, you know, your employer either did or should. Um, so then fundamentally, it's about portable, flexible, personalized um, insurances, benefits, and financial services products to, um, to those who work and act independently. Okay. So how, how does that sort of practically work? Can I, can I pick and mix my own one? Do you, do you have like bundles together? And Yeah. Um, good question, because we're pre-launch. Uh, launching Q1 of next year. But the idea is, yeah, you come to us, uh, we take a quick data snapshot of you just to understand sort of you, the nature of work you do, the stage of life that you're at sort of constructs. Mm -hmm. Drop that down into the engine we're building underneath it, which will then present back to you what we talk about being a customized bundle. Mm -hmm. Some products and services that, you know, if nothing else, you should have in place. Right. Um, so if you're that IT contractor, IT consultant, you know, there's things like professional indemnity that you should have, uh, you know, laptop, smartphone, these are, you know, important tools of work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, cyber is becoming more and more uh, relevant. Some income protection, you know, things like that, that used to go into your standard sort of employee benefits package or offer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then at that point, yeah, pick and mix, drag and drop. Uh, it constructs then to um, to form a monthly subscription. You just take out the monthly subscription with us. We take care of all the downstream mumbo jumbo with the various providers. Mm -hmm. um, if anything goes wrong, you just deal with us. If you want to make a claim, you just deal with us. And um, you then drop down and become a member of the community that we're building underneath all of this because, um, you know, it's not just independent workers. I think we've seen this more now with sort of Corona and COVID, mm. the dynamics of people not being able to connect and hang out together, you know, in the office, those water cooler moments and, you know, so mental health and loneliness uh, are amplified because of your independence. Mm. And we're looking to add some of those dimensions into our support structures as well. <clears throat> that's, that's brilliant. I think that's really important. I mean, something that, um, I've touched on with every call and it doesn't seem to matter who I talk to, um, whether it's people looking for work or whether it's clients is, is the mental health element of what we're going through at the moment. Because I know personally for me, I mean, we, we I, I did some training um, for uh, four months on um, uh, during lockdown, just trying to upskill myself and, and the team that were, it was all other recruitment business owners, senior recruitment people, um, we've all kept up with the, the same date in the diary, which is every Thursday at nine o'clock. And yeah. we now meet for coffee um, <laughs> just because we don't, you're not having that interaction. And, um, and it's such a sanity. Yes. It, it, it just, just allows you to vent your, <laughs> usually vent your frustrations. We, we basically meet to bitch every Thursday morning. <laughs> and yeah. Feel better about it. <laughs> well, but that's, and that's what, uh, we as employees used to take for granted when we we're part of an employer employee work model. Yeah. Uh, it was those moments, you know, just downloading um, the sort of the casual appreciation every now and then um, the ability to, you know, if something was up to go to someone and have a chat and, you know, either formally or informally, mm. there was lots there to help you out along the way, mm. which most of us used to just take for granted. Mm. Um, until you don't have them. And that's what now uh, more and more people have, have sort of experienced and been exposed to, certainly as a result of COVID. I mean, these dynamics for the independent workforce were, were happening already. Mm. There's another big group now, which is those who have just, you know, I'm going to say, you know, who are facing redundancy and are being forced out and they're now on their own, uh, only to realise, gosh, you know, now what do I do for support and assistance with some of this sort of stuff? Mm. Um, as well as trying to find work and get back, you know, get back and get going. So, yeah, lots of, um, you know, these are genuine issues that people are facing. Um, but I would suggest it's probably both full-time employed and those who work independently. I, I think for the independent, the risks are just, it's more precarious, that lifestyle. It's, pre it's precarious in the good days because um, it's not easy uh, getting going, getting started, keeping on top of it. And there's just been another, you know, massive challenge thrown at, at people. So, mm. yeah, mm. soldier on, crack on. Yeah, quite. No, quite. And I think the more that we can do to kind of help people in those um, situations, I think the better. Mm. Um, I think it's really challenging to, particularly at the moment, for people kind of finding themselves in this yeah, new world and, and, and facing up to, because you build, you know, I think we, we touched on it briefly before we started recording, which is you build your world um, around the world you know so if you're employed regular income coming in mortgages school fees etc all those things get built into that um and and 
you're not expecting that to change. But when it does, you know, being self-employed is is probably about being slightly more frugal. It's it's about having kind of you know a different sort of agenda. You probably have to keep more in the bank than you would expect to. Um, you know, and and there's just different challenges. And I and I I'm because I've I've been doing it personally uh, myself quite a long time. Few of my friends have, have started their own ventures. It's interesting talking to them what they don't know. I mean, like a friend of mine was was setting up their own recruitment thing, and for example, they didn't have professional indemnity insurance. And I said, "I, I hope you never need it, but <laughs> I, I would have some." <laughs> you know, um, another friend had a much more physical job and and didn't have oh because oh, I haven't got any uh, liability insurance, and you know, yeah. and it, things like that that you you know companies are very positive they look after you and and you only realize how much is there for you when you don't have it um but but i still i still think within that you still don't know necessarily the ins and outs um you know why have i got a pension you've got to find a pension for yourself you've got to find all your insurances for yourself and um yeah so having something simplistic that i can understand that bundles it for me um that's kind of the idea behind it and it's just and then we're coaching and concierge with you along the way. We understand the journey you're on. Mm. I'm thinking about making the jump. I've made the jump. I've been doing it for three, you know, I'm in a different, I'm in growth and capacity kind of stuff. Yeah. And then showing up and being relevant along that journey with, you know, coaching and advice and products and services. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but it's interesting. You're right. We've, you know, we've got senior people. They've led organizations who are now out on their own and, oh, you know, a limited company. And then, I can't get a bank account. Well, hang on a minute. I used to be, you know, Captain mm. Marvelous. Uh, mm. Yeah, but, you know, you're not now. You're independent. Um, and we've got to go through our process. So, you know, setting up a limited company for those down that end, getting a bank account, and you know, forget about trying to get a mortgage. You know, there's mm. at the moment the system is designed for the old world of, of full-time employees mm-hmm. and the risk models associated with that. And, you know, our... Our opportunity is in this new world. Um, there's none of this. It's all designed. It's 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 a broken model. Um, so we're setting about taking it on. Yeah, because you've got. Um, did I see that you, there's a new way that you do your risk scoring um, that you've created for yourselves? Because you touched on mortgages there, um, and I remember what an absolute circus that was when I was I was first self-employed trying to buy a house, and it was almost impossible. But they yeah. were, they were going, oh, affordability is fine, but we just won't lend you the money. <laughs> and it's bizarre but actually now 50 percent of the market is made up of people who aren't full-time employees so exactly. you're yeah. gonna have to push across mm. yeah look as part of our world we're um developing uh, a, a new risk score it's just 100 focused on this freelance and gig economy mm-hmm. and how people are choosing to live and work as part of that uh to better represent them because we think they're poorly treated at the moment, um, just as you were, and there's no really need for that. So it's called our FRISC score, F-R-I-S-C, freelancer risk, um, spelt with a C at the end to try and be cool and contemporary, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just designed to have a laser-like focus on, on, I'll say the positive characteristics that those who work independently hold Mm. aren't captured by traditional underwriting or credit models mm-hmm. um, and it's been you know it's been well received so far and, and it, it will it will drive the intelligence um, that better represents the independence certainly as part of our structure mm-hmm. and um, 
and enable them to get better deals on this sort of stuff, fair deals. Um, yeah. Because we would argue that they're much better risk than the way they're currently being treated. And that's one of the challenges we're taking on. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd certainly champion that um, as I'm looking to renew my uh, mortgage at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll get on. Um, yeah. so, um, I want to. I want to go back because we we've sort of started at the end um, because you you've had a really interesting career and and I and I said this the last time I recorded but absolute theme of talking to everyone that's sort of running uh, what's loosely termed an insure tech um, is this kind of varied career varied career path absolutely not linear um, and and talks to sort of entrepreneurship so. Um, am I right in thinking you started in the, the banking world? Is that is that your sort of yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> probably yeah, gave it two halves really. So the first part was, um, well, it was fintech before it was called fintech, so yes. bank financial trading systems, risk management, mm -hmm. um, you know, on the sort of dot com number one, uh. But as an independent, so I've kind of lived that freelance, independent, self-employed right. life, and I knew, you know, how tough it was. Uh, but then I was like, I always wanted to do my own thing, and I kind of had <clears throat> my wife says midlife crisis. I, I'm trying to say epiphany, you know, <laughs> if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Kind of moment. Yeah. And um, she was absolutely right. It was completely the wrong moment, and um, I don't know if there's ever the right moment, but. Uh, away we went. It was touched on the future of work, but it was actually interested in the aging workforce. Yes. And it was an organization and how that is impacting organizations and society. <clears throat> and it actually fuels this independent model, um, as I mentioned earlier. But so it was called the Positive Aging Company. It was about helping organize, understand their, their aging employee profile. They think about it mostly negative. Mm -hmm. We would be arguing that there's a lot of positive. Mm -hmm. and um, there's value there to be had. So it was health tech, data analytics, um, employee benefits, SaaS-based platform. Uh, ran that for a few years, uh, ended up getting acquired by uh, Mercer. So went across with that business. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of same thing. I mean, the advice I got before all of that was, look to understand demographics because if you understand demographics, they drive markets. You can't yeah. fight demographics. Yeah. So the one at that point was around this aging, aging population. And um, <clears throat> so we sort of wrote on the back of that. Yeah. Ended up inside Mercer, uh, was with them for a couple of years. And then what was that transition like? So you, cause you start a business, it's small, <clears throat> grows, becomes successful. And then you have to slot into this, massive machine yeah was that, was that was that the challenging bit you know because you know how the, i don't need to tell you how that story is going to end oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, look I, i'll say there's more lessons learned and it's probably on both sides mm. you know everything they wanted from us uh, you know we were, we were small but we were onto something <clears throat> and we we're agile and innovative and startup and techie and you know, and, and had a little bit of a profile and, and were doing well. And, you know, they wanted that because they were trying to, you know, I'll say innovate internally within their organization. Um, they knew, moved from conservative and it was all, all wrapped up into trying to drive internal change. 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when you go across small startup into a big corporate and you just become sort of a department almost and, you know, mm -hmm. a cost center, the dynamics, it's just oil and water. Mm -hmm. And I think the industry, you know, so this would have probably been, gosh, almost five years ago now, you know, they've, they're better at it because yeah. it was early then, as funny as it sounds, and there's been more of it. And it's still challenging, you know, any startups who go into large corporates, uh, unless you're really, really clever or careful, um, you know, it, it's a challenge. Mm. And it was like that for us, certainly with Inside Mercer. And I think, you know, they quite, they quite rightly said, I mean, their expertise is huge acquisitions of huge companies and they just bash it together and, and let it go about its business. So we kind of got caught up in the backwash of um, two other huge acquisitions in the same sort of, and our very sort, our very sort of small and, and meaningless in the end mm. um, to what was going on. But it is what it is. And, you know, from our side, from my side personally, um, I had the itch almost straight away to go again with my next startup. And this is where it's now, is that a curse or is that a, uh, or is that a quality time will tell? That's the thing. Cause you're, so you're, you, you've jumped ahead to the sort of aging solutions pit, but I had to ask you, cause it's on your LinkedIn profile about the thing that could have, should have been YouTube. Um, Rabbit oh. TV. <laughs> oh, that, that's the one that really hurts. I mean, really, so this was, this was in dot-com number one, and we had this idea, we're just gonna create these silly little videos, bang advertising on it, bring them all together into this sort of online platform, and then for people to be able to click on it and email it amongst their friends. Wow. Uh, so that was the idea. And you know, we, we ran that 18 months, two years, the world just collapsed around us. Mm. Uh, so it all, it all just, you know, literally just came to a shut. But the number of times since then, people have said, oh, I remember you, you guys were YouTube before YouTube. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and it's not just, you know, once is, is, is pleasing, but when you hear it over 100 times, it's just like it becomes torture. It still keeps yeah, me Please, please stop saying that. <laughs> Unless you've got a billion-dollar check to give me. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like the one that got away. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, does it drive me or drive me mad? Probably a combination of both. So, um, do you, do you yeah, think? Do you think that speaks to something? Because because that's a hard one. Because it's like it's not a loss. Like you know, uh, people say, "Oh, you got you got to take your losses and your wins." Those are the frustrating ones when it's sort of it didn't you didn't lose it didn't it didn't collapse it it just didn't fly and then. Yeah. And then you go, yeah, the idea was right, but it just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't go. Yeah. Uh, it's, good, it's a good question. And, and that's a good point. Um, you know, I've, I'll say I've had a couple where, you know, two months in, it's like, nah, it's, it's not going to go. Yeah. Maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't have yeah. chopped. Um, so to have one that was, you know, I'll say heading in the right direction and, and, and was, yeah, at the time we just weren't able to validate it for it to catch fire, and I think that's one of the that's where luck and timing comes into you know a lot of this stuff. There's lots of good ideas out there, um, execution, luck, timing, resilience, persistence. Those are the dynamics that help 
you know, nudge them along. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to think of the famous saying, you know, there's some crappy ideas that have gone on uh, because they've had some, some, you know, luck along the way and there's been some good ideas that, that should have and haven't. So probably a combination. Mm. I think, what, so what sort of period of time was that? I can't remember sort of, what, when were you doing Rabbit TV? So that was sort of 2000. Was, yeah, 1999 to 2001. So it was right in. Right in there. And it was crazy days because it, eight, 98, 99, the internet just exploded. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I, I can't companies born overnight, big valuations, lots of champagne and fanfare. You know, it was, it was amazing. Uh, and then literally it just dropped like a stone. Lights were turned off. And then it took, you know, some of us just the scars. It took, you know, back to the day job for two or three years to, to pay off the, the debts and, and for the injuries to recover. And then, um, and then, you know, see, you start to get twitchy and, yeah. And, about what's next yeah yeah no i i i I hear do you think there's something about the psyche of um investment because i I was talking to someone about this the other day that um, prior to covid i was was having these conversations in that you know i worked through the financial crisis and and saw what that looked like i've obviously i've specialized in insurance my whole career in, in in this space so it was tough, but not like banking. Um, we just had to deal with all the ex-banking recruitment people coming in and telling everyone they could do insurance now. Um, <laughs> yeah, safe haven and everything. But um, it feels like people have short memories because because the the banking crisis was preceded by obviously these huge um, personal debts and credit cards and mortgages. And I was just speaking to people that were getting thirty-five year mortgages, thirty-seven year mortgages, and I was like. Personally, for me, I'm like, if you're taking a mortgage that long, it suggests that you're buying a house that you, is too expensive or you don't need it or something like that. Yeah. And so it just appears to me that we're in, we were in a similar cycle. Um, and, and I kind of think if you look at the kind of investments, uh, IPOs that we've had recently, there's huge valuations of companies that you, even in their submission documents are suggesting that they've got a business model that has inherent risk. That's not to say they can't make money, um, yeah. but I just wonder whether we're, I don't, whether we're in a bubble, I don't know, but I, I just think we're going back to a time where if it's yeah. the right, almost we're at the risk of, the, if it's the right buzzwords, it's, it's, it's going to go, um, which is why sometimes good ideas don't go because they don't hit on the right touch point. Yeah. Uh, good question. And I think, uh, what is it? Yes, you're right. Markets go in cycles. Um, there's sort of been those almost every seven year punches in the face for whatever reason. I think there's always, you know, and and this is from just trying to reflect back across my memory and experience. There's always those group of investors who, who just keep throwing the money in, um, combination of optimism and ignorance, Mm which gives that, that inflation, even with the warning. You know, I mean, WeWork is probably yeah, the sure. one that's most relevant to, to our sector. Mm. And you were just watching that that journey and everyone it was like, this is just smoke and mirrors, but how come, you know, significant investors, global players are just pouring in, you know, pouring in behind it? Are we, you know, are we the, the dumb ones? Mm. 
only for it to play out as this the, as the story everyone knew it was going to be. So I, I just think it's just market dynamics. Um, there's enough people um, with enough money to just blindly throw it at it and it doesn't affect them, but it affects the rest of us if it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, which is not, you know, not right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But- yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I, I, and um, yeah, as I say, certainly I don't have a crystal ball, but you know, when you sit there going in the sector that I know relatively well, you know, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm a service provider to insurance, so I can't pretend to be, um, I know insurance better than some people, but obviously not, not, not as well as, as the people that are truly the market. But um, it's, it is interesting seeing some of these kind of acquisitions, um, IPOs, um, um, because I, I hope everything flies. I, I, I'm certainly not anyone that wants to sit there and see anything fail because um, it's bad for my business. You know, <laughs> It's better for people to be growing and hiring. But um, it is interesting that, um, you know, it, it, it follows the kind of certain trends and, and things that you know people are just interested in from a kind of buzzword it, it's the right sector it's it's hitting the right kind of notches and then people follow that rather than some some ideas i look at and go oh that idea is brilliant and it just doesn't hit the momentum you expect okay. it. yeah so i'll say it's a long way from early stage startup with a with a big idea mm-hmm. and we continually on a daily basis are looking to validate bigger and stronger that that idea mm. to that that thing being relevant and interesting to the to the incumbent yes. uh, there's a lot of uh steps in the elevator to get to that yeah 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 to relevance um if that's kind of what you what you're getting at um, yeah yeah i think so i think so um one thing i've noticed in your career as well is um and, and this is, you had a side hustle before side hustle was a side hustle. Um, <laughs> because, because there's a lot of your career where you're, you may have been contracting, now I know that about you, but, you know, for example, I think you were working at uh, BNP Paribas when you're also running something called Knockout Academy, and then you, you wrote a book as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> and, and someone brought that on the weekend. So. <laughs> Talk about long tail. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, I just get a ping from Amazon, you know. It's like, what? wow, how bizarre. So it was called Follow Me Out Bot, and it was about that, and it was a side hustle um, because I always, you know, I, I, I always had that when I was doing my corporate stuff, mm. thinking, dabbling, playing, and uh, wanting to. And, you know, the, the mentoring, the coaching I got at the time was, Working on the side until it's got enough momentum to almost, you'll never replace your day job until you're sort of well along, but um, it's not a cold cut and you're just going to sort of, you know, make a, make a, a brave jump, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where those activities were, um, were running in parallel. Yeah. As you said, side hustle before side hustle. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're a glutton for punishment, Mike. You're just like, right. Is, is, do you think that speaks to something about to sort of really make it as an entrepreneur? Because my, my new phrase is that um, like everyone's got one good book in them, every insurance professional thinks they've got one good insure tech in them. <laughs> but um, 
but but there's something about the entrepreneurial mindset um yeah that kind of restlessness or yeah i think um one of the aha moments i had uh i don't know if you know the guys over at 90 consulting but they've got a little they do this little thing and they they've broken it down and it's on the mindset mm. and they've got what they call that there's this pioneer you've got the pioneering mindset yeah. you're the ones that go charging out that way you don't know if the world is flat or round mm-hmm. uh and you you know that's you're always out there looking for chasing for exploring thinking and then coming behind you there's this population you know they're the settlers um they start to make sense they follow you sort of you know you haven't died you're still sending postcards so we'll follow in behind you yeah then there's the third group which are the town planners you know these little satellites are established now and you need a little bit of sort of structure and organization into it and it starts to grow and, and to take shape. And the fourth group are the bureaucrats and the regulators. You know, these things have now settled, been planned, are taking shape, <coughs> law and order and structure. Yeah. And it was, you know, each of us fits quite nicely into one of those four. And for me, it's always been that pioneer crazy and it is crazy. Um, and precarious and 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 wild uh and not comfortable mm-hmm. and it's not for everyone but following in behind that there are places and it's about knowing where you fit within that so for me um these startups it's that early crazy journey i'll say the first three to you know three years of it and then it's then it's all going well of the size and a scale that it needs to be handed over to others um to, to take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always had that, that itch um, mm. or curse to be mm. confirmed. Well, I think that that's, that's, that's interesting. Cause I think that's the, the theme that I'm seeing, but, but also I think by breaking it down like that, what that concedes is that um, without the kind of support structure that follows behind without the kind of town planners and, and the, I mean, I think we could do without the bureaucrats, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's say everyone else that follows, eventually the pioneer will be out on his own and die, right? <laughs> Probably starvation or dehydration or whatever. Yes. Um, and and uh, you'll like this segue. Um, <laughs> you've built a really good team, I've noticed. Um, yes. and, and I was wondering how you went about that, because I think that's one of the challenges is that you know, you're an ideas guy. I think most people have the idea, but particularly if it's a tech play and they're not a tech person. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether you would or wouldn't consider yourself a sort of tech person as such, but um, you've got a CTO, I know, but you've also got a board of advisors. How, how did you go about putting that together? How did that happen? Yeah, I think in the early days, and, and I, I think this comes from experience, it's great being just all the ideas going and so forth, but you need to set up that base camp and double check and triple check. Mm-hmm. So along the way, you know, you get introduced to good people. And I think where, where it's come to us is these are great people from inside the industry who are just starting to explore um, for different reasons. So some of them are looking to develop, you know, sort of their NED uh, experience some are starting to think about retirement and portfolio lifestyle. You know, some have have kind of hit the ceiling. They know their job inside out and are looking for a little bit more contemporary 
uh, exposure, thinking, opportunity. So we get introduced to lots of people and along the way, so you share your story mm. and they either like it or they don't. Mm. And the ones that like it then start to become more engaged. And then I think it's good sense for early stage startups to have an advisory board wrapped around them um, because it's a win-win. Um, they're getting the opportunity, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We involve them in everything that we're doing. We treat them as you know team members. And then from their point of view, they're getting access to the craziness of a startup and they're able to utilize their network and connections, uh, get some exposure and experience in the way this world works and how it can marry back to their, you know, we always talk about what you've got going on in the now and what you want to get to next. And we can help, you know, our little experience and exposure can help you with both of those. Uh, so it's always been a win-win. Um, yeah. And we're really fortunate the people we've got wrapped around us uh, you know they're world class, and it just adds so much to your to your bench. Um, but from a proposition point of view, you know to have that validation from industry experts also gives you confidence. Um, yeah. So it's by design. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, I, it's that really speaks to me in terms of you know because. You know, do, it's focusing on senior level hires in, in in a certain area. You don't make that many that that year. I think I think that's the that's the probably letting the secrets out there. But you know, when you work in in my profession, like, you're not shifting like loads of people, voluminous amounts of people. You know, it's so it's very much about meeting people and 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 you just you build this network. And then obviously there's an academic part of it. If you're saying right, find me the best of one specific type type of job you you map the whole market you find out who everyone is where they are what they're like you do the research but you do come back to this network of people that you've kind of met and and you just go those are where the matches yeah there's where the proactive matching happens so it's kind of this meeting of by design as you say but also kind of by the sort of experience of, of um and i love the way you said telling your story because i think that's what it is recruitment of any nature is telling stories and you know what makes you know mike your story um interesting um to the point where someone wants to join and i think that's what people need to focus on but something you seem very conscious of is that you have to have the best story for people to want to join you yes uh i agree with you it's all about storytelling and the other thing which jumped out then is as an industry you know, if everyone's looking at their crystal ball, it's ecosystems, ecosystems. And really all we're doing is a is, a, is an ecosystem now of, of people um, to wrap around our, our world. Uh, and it works that way. Mm. Um, but I think the essence is uh, the story. Mm. And, and we freely share our story. And there's been people that have gravitated towards it. And that's kind of almost, I don't know, it's one of the triggers for us. You've got to be passionate about um, this future of work and the opportunity and, and the challenges that it, it poses. Because if you get that bit, mm. then now it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then the energy enthusiasm just starts to happen naturally. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, I'll, I'm, I'm conscious of your time, so I won't, won't take up too much more of it. But um, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, you've been involved in some sort of innovation, incubation type labs. Um, yes. um, quite recently, you did the FinTech uh, Essential one, wasn't it? Yes. Um, what's, how do you, I think some people are always interested in how you get involved in those, what was the experience like? It'd be good to hear a bit, bit about kind of that experience really. Um, I'm a believer in them. And there's a school of thought out there is, you know, you can spend all your time in accelerators and take your eye off the ball. Well, um, I, I go about it completely the other way. Yeah. We are building an ecosystem. We are building a network. Um, our experience. So all of them work differently. Yeah. And all of them are pitched at different, you know, um, organizations or fintech and tech data, whatever. Um some of them are dilutive, some of them aren't. So they're all they're all very different. But fundamentally, they've all got well-meaning people um, driving the accelerator mm. or wrapped around the accelerator as mentors or channel partners um, who are interested in helping you out. Yes. So for us, it's just been free, free firepower and some really interesting, passionate people along the way some of which have now bolted on to, you know, Team Portable. Uh, the ability to fill your pipeline, you know, if, if you and I were to try and go out and reach, um, let's say, 20 innovation teams within European InsureTechs, we'd be, we'd be going at it probably for the year. Yeah. Uh, this gets consolidated into, the, into a three-month program with, you know, with sort of managed introductions. Mm. So... Uh, for us, it's always been about, you know, brilliant help, um, positive energy, uh, pipeline, and and just network, more good networked people. And <clears throat> it's played out for us. So I'm a big believer in it. Where, and I've also been in it enough times to know there's some good things about them and there's some bad things about them. So... You know, from a startup's point of view, it means everything to be involved and we're looking to just try and get a deal done or get a POC or get a pilot opportunity or, or, or at the end of the day, in its purest terms, get some sort of cash in some shape or form into our business. Mm -hmm. And um, predominantly on the corporate side, it's less about that. Um, it's about seeing and hearing good ideas possibly introducing them back into the business, possibly taking the IP and trying to recreate it back in the business or possibly being seen to be, you know, innovative and involved in the ecosystem. So sometimes there is that disconnect that still plays out, but I always say, you know, it's, it's kind of on us as the startups, back to that hustle word. It's hard to get into these programs. There's an application process often once you're in, um, you can't wait for it to come to you. You've got to get after it. And then at the end of it, you know, one or two of these quite significant connections yeah, is meaningful in the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes people want to derive too much direct value from things as well. So like they'll be in one of these going, well, we didn't get investment directly from that. So therefore it wasn't useful. Whereas I think, you know, you keep saying network and ecosystem and, and, and so much of, you know, something that's happening in my business that um, came from a conversation where I was I was genuinely just 
engaging with someone I met them for a coffee back when you could do that sort of thing and then you know another person asked me for a bit of help and and, and I've ended up kind of putting these two people together in a tradition in a very non-traditional way but that was eight months ago you know that these things happened um, at the time it was just why not why not expand that network because I think do you think networking quite often gets a bit of a bad press it's always seen it's sort of networking it has a bit of a negative connotation sometimes, I think. Um, uh, look, I, I know it does. I would, I love it. Um, uh, but there's actually a term that's called, and I'll share you the link afterwards. Yeah. Link, linky brains. There's those of us out there that just like, got a brain that likes to link things together, yeah. ideas to people, people to people. And when we do it, it makes no sense. To most of the people, but when it happens, something happens, and it's like, oh, now I know why the introduction was happening. Uh, okay. And, but that's kind of what networking is, you know. In to me, it's um. Uh, but we're also quite disciplined in it, you know. Give five times before you ask, so it's not, you know. But that's that pay forward kind of thing, which again, within an ecosystem. It really becomes quite powerful. Mm. Uh, so, I, for me, it's fundamental to to business um, and to good business because if you're helping people out along the way, um, hopefully something every now and then comes back your way. So, yeah. But I'm 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 game on. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 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 exactly the same school. I I, I just think you know, trying to do that. And I don't get it right all the time, but if you're trying to do the right thing, yeah. it's, always, it's always the right thing. And and, and, it, and you will be remembered down the line as going, he's a good guy, you know, and, and, and you never know when that might come useful. You never know when it's, you know, um, I know, <laughs> I mean, we've seen it on LinkedIn all the time. <laughs> I walked past a person I thought was homeless and gave him five pounds and then I turned up and he was interviewing for me for the job and, you know, all these <laughs> <laughs> absolute made up nonsense but the sentiment is 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 the is the right one is that you never know where people are going to end up in your journey because um, yeah. these journeys are always longer than you think um and and you never know how much that's going to be helpful down the line so if you try, try and do the right thing generally seems to be the right idea yeah mate. i'll happily take all the help we can get and and we happily give all the help we can give. So yeah. So I mean, on that, and just to finish up, you know, you sort of mentioned fundraising. Um, where are you on Portable's journey? Um, when can we expect? Because I'm on, I'm on your mailing list. I'm I'm waiting for my uh, oh invite yeah. to be <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll say we're positively overwhelmed, and that's also part of that early stage jungle. Um, you try and be focused, 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 but you know, especially with Corona and COVID, we're getting a lot coming to us. And even the insurance partners, you know, everyone's interested now in this future of work. They're seeing sort of group risk in the old world and this fragmented new world. So distribution opportunity for them through us. So we're under pressure now just to, to get cracking, which is why we're doing our first raise. Mm -hmm. uh, we cross our fingers that there seems to be something close now. It's all designed just to sort of fast track everything we've got going on sure. um, to be launched, beta launch in sort of Q1 of, of 21 uh, with a fair wind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then after that, it's really just those early stage milestones that startups and, you know, our first partners want to see. So 
sort of first happy members and first revenues and and, and then we've got big ideas <laughs> well there you go <laughs> we started with the cheap ideas going we'll end with some big ideas <laughs> uh, can't help myself um we've got big we've got big plans um and how we want to take this and it's all designed just to better serve and support the independent and their family mm. of which there's going to be more and of which uh you know leading a very risky life at the moment through no choice of their own but um so we're on a mission i think yeah yeah and look i, I think that's the perfect place to end it but i'm 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 absolutely behind you because i think it's a really underserved market I, I think there's a lot of kind of complexity and obviously someone who works independently and has done for some time I, I know how much that support's needed and particularly as you say like sadly in this moment there's going to be more people joining that sort of portfolio workplace and it doesn't matter how much we dress it up it, it's it, it can be a difficult and challenging place to be you know with the uncertainty so something like portable that makes it a simpler uh, more easy easy to access um process is is, is really really welcome so um, obviously from us at the lip, we wish you all the best on the, uh, on the fundraising journey. Oh, I, I, don't get me wrong. We need it because <laughs> raising funds over zoom, not easy, but Hey, we're almost there. So fingers crossed. And I appreciate you uh, making the time today to hear our story, Alex. And happy no, to help anyone out there in, in the, the world of the lip. Yeah. Um, we're a resource. So feel free to call on me. Thank you. Thanks for that, Mike. All the best. All right. Cheers, matey. Bye. That was Mike Minette, guys. Um, as as promised, good good energy, um, good interview. Um, I just really like what you've got to say about building teams. I think that's particularly interesting. It's a theme that's come up a few times. Is that there's a little bit of building them by design, and there's a little bit by building them by you know happy accident. Um, and the more opportunities you give yourself to do that, um, whether it be by incubators or networking. Um, obviously, I've got vested interest in good networking, and uh, now it's harder than ever um, to do so in the physical realm. But I'm certainly finding people open to talking, and, and I hope people are getting their opportunities to network because I think it's the human connection um, that makes any form of work enjoyable. But um, yeah, insurance is a very good industry for that, um, it's quite unique in how much people are happy to pick up the phone and talk to people. And, and certainly from my perspective, um, I, I'd have a very boring podcast and a <laughs> very difficult time if people weren't happy to. So um, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening or watching. And um, please like or subscribe on any of the channels that you've either listened or watched on, uh, whether that be YouTube or Spotify or Anchor, um, because um, it really helps the viewing figures. Um, and look out for more episodes soon. Thank you.